What I love most about Mi Gente is our community and how important it is to take care of our own. Hey, it's Honey and Carolina. On our podcast, Life in Spanglish, we talk about how important being there for your loved ones is. Pero también sobre lo importante que es tener a alguien dispuesto a apoyarte cuando lo necesites, como lo hace State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Many, many years ago, as time is calculated by men, but which was merely yesterday in the celestial calendar of heaven, there was in paradise a most miserable, thoroughly unhappy, and utterly dejected cherub, who was known throughout heaven as the littlest angel. He was exactly four years, six months, five days, seven hours, and 42 minutes of age when he presented his small self to the venerable gatekeeper and waited for admittance. To the glorious kingdom of God. Standing defiantly with his short brown legs wide apart, the littlest angel tried to pretend that he wasn't at all impressed by such unearthly splendor and that he wasn't at all afraid. But his lower lip trembled and a tear disgraced him by making a new furrow down his already tear-streaked face, coming to a sudden halt at the very tip end of his small freckled nose. But that wasn't all. While the kindly gatekeeper was entering the name in his great book, the littlest angel, having left home as usual without a handkerchief, endeavored to hide the telltale evidence by sniffling, a most unangelic sound, which so unnerved the good gatekeeper that he did something he'd never done before in all eternity. He blotted the page. From that moment on, the heavenly peace was never quite the same. And the littlest angel soon became the despair of all the heavenly host. The shrill, ear-splitting whistle resounded at all hours through the golden streets, which startled the patriarch prophets and disturbed their meditation. Yes, and on top of that, he inevitably and loudly sang off-key at the singing practice of the heavenly choir, spoiling its ethereal effect. And being so small that it seemed to take him just twice as long as anyone else to get to nightly prayers, the littlest angel always arrived late and always knocked everyone's wings askew as he darted into his place. Although these flaws in his behavior might have been overlooked, the general appearance of the littlest angel was even more disreputable than his deportment. It was first whispered among the seraphim and cherubim and then said aloud among the angels and archangels that he didn't even look like an angel. They were all quite correct. He didn't. His halo was permanently tarnished where he held on to it with one hot little chubby hand when he ran, and he was always running. Furthermore, even when he stood very still, it never behaved like a halo should. It was always slipping down over his right eye. 
over his left eye. Or else, just for pure meanness, slipping off the back of his head and rolling away down some golden street, just so he'd have to chase after it. And yes, it must be here recorded that his wings were neither useful nor ornamental. All paradise held its breath when the littlest angel perched himself like an unhappy fledgling sparrow on the very edge of a gilded cloud and prepared to take off. He would teeter this way and that way. But after much coaxing and a few false starts, he would shut both of his eyes, hold his freckled nose, count up to 303, and then hurl himself slowly into space. However, owing to the regrettable fact that he always forgot to move his wings, the littlest angel always fell head over halo. Oh, dear. It was also reported and never denied that whenever he was nervous, which was most of the time, he bit his wingtips. Now, anyone can easily understand why the littlest angel would, soon or late, have to be disciplined. And so, on an eternal day of an eternal month in the year eternal, he was directed to present his small self before an angel of the peace. The littlest angel combed his hair, dusted his wings, and scrambled into an almost clean robe. And then, with a heavy heart, trudged his way to the place of judgment. He tried to postpone the dreaded ordeal by loitering along the street of the guardian angels, pausing a few timeless moments to minutely examine the long list of new arrivals, although all heaven knew that he couldn't read a word. And he idled more than several immortal moments to carefully examine a display of Orient harps. Although everyone in the celestial city knew that he couldn't tell a crotchet from a semiquaver. But at length and at last, he slowly approached a doorway which was surmounted by a pair of golden scales, signifying that heavenly justice was dispensed within. To the littlest angel's great surprise, he heard a voice singing. removed his halo and breathed upon it heavily, then polished it upon his robe, a procedure which added nothing to the garment's already untidy appearance, and then tiptoed in. The singer, who was known as the Understanding Angel, looked down at the small culprit, and the littlest angel instantly tried to make himself invisible by the ingenious process of withdrawing his head into the collar of his robe, very much like a snapping turtle. At that, the singer laughed, a jolly, heartwarming sound, and said, Oh, so you're the one who's been making heaven so unheavenly. Come here, cherub, and tell me all about it. The littlest angel ventured a furtive look from underneath his robe. First one eye, and then the other eye. And then suddenly, almost before he knew it, he was perched on the lap of the understanding angel and was explaining how very difficult it was for a boy who suddenly finds himself transformed into an angel. Yes, and no matter what the archangel said, he'd only swung once. Well, twice. Oh, all right then. He'd swung three times on the golden gates. But that was only for something to do. That was the whole trouble. There wasn't anything for a small angel to do. And he was very homesick. 
Oh, not that paradise wasn't beautiful, but the earth was beautiful, too. Wasn't it created by God himself? Why, there were trees to climb, and brooks to fish, and caves to play at pirate chief, and a swimming hole, and sun, and rain, and dark, and dawn, and thick brown dust so soft and warm beneath your feet. The understanding angel smiled. And in his eyes was a long-forgotten memory of another small boy in a long ago. And then he asked the littlest angel, what would make him the most happy in paradise? The cherub thought for a moment and whispered in his ear, there's a box. I left it under my bed back home. If only I could have that. The understanding angel nodded his head. You shall have it, he promised. And the fleet-winged heavenly messenger was instantly dispatched to bring the box to paradise. And then, in all those timeless days that followed, everyone wondered at the great change in the littlest angel. For among all the cherubs in God's kingdom, he was the most happy. His conduct was above the slightest reproach. His appearance was all that the most fastidious could ask for. And on excursions to Elysian fields, it could be said, and truly said, that he flew like an angel. Then it came to pass that Jesus, the Son of God, was to be born of Mary of Bethlehem of Judea. And as the glorious tidings spread through paradise, all the angels rejoiced, and their voices were lifted to herald the miracle of miracles. The coming of the Christ child. The angels and archangels, the seraphim and cherubim, the gatekeeper, the wingmaker, and yes, even the halo smith, they all put aside their usual tasks to prepare their gifts for the blessed infant. All but the littlest angel. He sat himself down on the topmost step of the golden stairs and anxiously waited for inspiration. What could he give that would be most acceptable to the Son of God? At one time, he dreamed of composing a lyric hymn of adoration. But the littlest angel was woefully wanting in musical talent. Then, then he grew tremendously excited over writing a prayer. A prayer that would live forever in the hearts of men because, because it would be the first prayer ever to be heard by the Christ child. Amen. Um, amen. Mm. Hallelujah. The littlest angel was lamentably lacking in literate skill. What, oh, what could a small angel give that would please the holy infant? The time of the miracle was very close at hand when the littlest angel at last decided on his gift. And then, on that day of days, he proudly brought it from its hiding place behind the cloud. And humbly, with downcast eyes, placed it before the throne of God. 
It was only a small, rough, unsightly box. But inside were all those wonderful things that even a child of God would treasure. small, rough, unsightly box, lying among all those other glorious gifts from all the angels of paradise, gifts of such rare and radiant splendor and breathless beauty that heaven and all the universe were lighted by the mere reflection of their glory. And when the littlest angel saw this, he suddenly knew that his gift to God's child was irreverent. And he devoutly wished that he might reclaim his shabby gift. It was ugly. It was worse. Only he could hide it away from the sight of God before it was even noticed. But it was too late. The hand of God moved slowly over all the bright array of shining gifts. Then paused. And dropped. Then came to rest. On the lowly gift of the littlest angel. The littlest angel trembled as the box was opened. And there, before the eyes of God and all his heavenly host, was what he offered to the Christ child. And what was his gift to the blessed infant? Well, there was a butterfly with golden wings, captured one bright summer day on the height hills over Jerusalem and a sky-blue egg from a bird's nest in an olive tree that stood to shade his mother's kitchen door. Yes, and, and two white stones found on the muddy riverbank where he and his friends had played like small brown beavers. And at the bottom of the box, a limp, tooth-marked leather strap, once worn as a collar by his mongrel dog, who had died as he had lived, in absolute love and infinite devotion. The littlest angel wept hot, bitter tears. For now he knew that instead of honoring the Son of God, he had been most blasphemous. Why had he ever thought the box was so wonderful? Why had he ever dreamed that such utterly useless things would be loved by the blessed infant? In frantic terror, he turned to run and hide from the divine wrath of the heavenly father. And he stumbled and fell. And with a horrified wail and a clatter of halo, rolled in the ball of consummate misery the very foot of the heavenly throne. There was an ominous and dreadful silence in the celestial city. A silence complete and undisturbed, save for the heartbroken sobbing of the littlest angel. Then suddenly, the voice of God, like divine music, rose through paradise. The voice of God spoke, saying, Of all the gifts of all the angels, I find that this small box pleases me the most. Its contents are of the earth, the men, and my son is born to be king of both. These are the things my son too will know and love and cherish. And then regretful, 
will leave behind him when his task is done. I accept this gift in the name of the child Jesus born of Mary this night in Bethlehem. There was a breathless pause. Then the rough, unsightly box of the littlest angel began to glow with a bright, unearthly light. Then the light became a lustrous flame, and the flame became a radiant brilliance that blinded the eyes of all the angels. None but the littlest angel saw it rise from its place before the throne of God, and he, and only he, watched it arch the firmament to stand and shed its clear, white, beckoning light over a stable where a child was born. There it shone on that night of miracles, and its light was reflected down the centuries deep in the heart of all mankind. Yet earthly eyes, blinded too by its splendor, could never know that the lowly gift of the littlest angel was what all men would call forever the shining star of Bethlehem. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing! Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be! Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got 